Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, so what's up? I'm Danny. Um, like you said, we have been friends for what? Two? Almost three years? No. Two years. Two and a half. I've been in your life for a while. Whatever. So yeah, when we came up with this series, we were in Washington, D.C. I think we were with APAC. You know what APAC is? It's like the United States and Israel just kind of meeting together to discuss the future of kind of the stuff you see in the Bible in Revelation. Um, but when we came up with this series, it was kind of crazy because we were like, yo, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be so much fun. But then we were in the plane and we didn't hit turbulence. We literally fell. Like the plane just dropped and it just kept falling. And we were like, we're going to die. And so we're panicking. We're panicking. I'm crying. I think he was crying and laughing at the same time. We were all shaking. But I was like, dude, if we ever land this plane, if we make it alive, we have to do this series. And we landed. So we have to do it. But what's up? It is absolutely terrifying. I like I. I'm, a, I'm perfectly fine with heights. I'm perfectly fine with planes, but falling from heights is where you get me. Like, I'm not about that. But anyway, Jacob, thank you for having me, dude. Love you, man. This dude is leading his youth group with grace and truth, and it's so obvious, and you are killing it. You're having so much fun doing this. I have fun just showing up on Wednesday nights here and there. But to get on with it, who in here is like my science people? Like, who likes any of that thing? A couple of y'all. Okay, so there's a few of y'all. So at the beginning, I'm kind of going to break down how we make God a lot smaller than our issues. Like we, we project our issues to be so big and God to be so small. But with this, hopefully you can see how big God is. So who can tell me how big a light year is? Is there anybody in here? Tree of anything. You're thinking. I see it on your face. So, kind of. So, okay. So, a light year, and I'm going to read this because these facts are messing me up. I'm not much of a science guy. But in short terms, it's traveling the speed of light in a light year. But a light year specifically is going the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles in one second. And so, one light year is traveling 186,000 miles in a second for a whole year. So if you think about how many seconds are in one year, that's like 31,536,000 seconds in one year. So now you're trying to do all this math, and it's hurt your brain. It hurts my brain. But 31 million something seconds in a year at 186 thousand miles per hour in each individual second of that year that is one light year and i got this disc because i needed a physical representation of our galaxy right so this is the milky way galaxy and somewhere on here on this little tiny speck like you can't even see it that's earth and so to get from one side of this galaxy the other side 
would take you 100,000 light years. Not 100,000 years, 100,000 light years. So all that math I did, multiply that 100,000 more times, that's how long it takes to get from one side to the other. But here's where it gets crazier. This is not the only galaxy in the universe. Okay, we knew that. So an estimate of how many galaxies are in the universe, at minimum, the estimate is about 350 billion galaxies. So all of that times 350 billion more, and that's just the minimum of how much we think is out in the universe, and God's bigger than that. So in the times that we think like our problems are this big, and God's like that small, it's the total opposite. Because your world is, like I said, a hair on this, and this is like a hair in a million other galaxies. And this is the last part of the science breakdown, and then I'm going to stop because these numbers are hurting my head. So if you want to picture what you are compared to the size of the universe, get a grain of sand, like a singular microscopic grain of sand. Go to the bottom of Mount Everest, put it there, travel to the planet Pluto, <laughs> and try to find that speck of sand from Pluto without any kind of binoculars or telescopes or technology or anything. You are that speck of sand <laughs> compared to the universe. <laughs> Times 18 trillion. That is you. So next time when you go through something difficult, change your perspective. Realize that it's not as big as you make it out to be. Realize that like you can get through this and God doesn't even flinch at that. God does not look to that and be like, oh my gosh, this is going to freak me out. No, like he's got control over you. He's got control over your situation and you're going to be just fine. So, you know, we try to wrap our heads around like how are we going to handle this situation? How are we going to dress to spiritual lounge on Wednesday night? You know, whatever. There's so many different things that we worry about on a constant basis, but it's all about your perspective. And so think about it. You know, you go to the mall, right? And someone points out your shirt, you know, they're like, yo, like that would look amazing on you. You know, or if it's makeup, like that would look great on you. If it's glasses, that would look awesome on you. And so you, you know, you do what you do. You try it on, but then, you know, makeup's the wrong undertone. Shirt is two sizes too small. Your glasses look great, but you can't see out of it. It's not functional. It's not working. And so that's why we can't always trust the people to point out, like, hey, this is what you should do. This is what you should wear. This is what you should look like. You know, we have to go to the person who physically made what that object is in order to get the best version of it for ourselves, for it to be functional. Like, I cannot go to Jacob and ask him for a pair of glasses and be like, help me see. Because he's not a doctor. Like, he doesn't, he's not in the eye field. He's going to just give me glasses that look good but serve no purpose. And a lot of times, our Christianity can be the same. It looks great. It feels great. We come to church. We sing a song. We read our Bible. We say hallelujah. We hug Jesus and eat a donut. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, Christianity is so much fun, but it serves no functional purpose if you don't have the right perspective, if you don't have the right prescription. And so, you know, if my glasses do not work and I need to see, I'm not going to Dreve, you know, to get a better sight. I'm going to who? 
the person who made the glasses, the per the doctor, and I'm going to get his prescription, his advice, so I can have the best vision that I need. And so when you're going through issues in life, a lot of times we tend to go to our best friend. A lot of times we tend to go to an addiction. We're never really going to our parents. Let's be honest, we're not going to them. And we're probably not going to Pastor Jacob all the time, you know. And so we're probably not even going to God. But God's the one who made you. Your friends did not make you. Pastor Jacob did not make you, I think. Like, <laughs> I'm just messing. So all these people you're going to, all these things you're going to, these addictions, whatever you use to buy time, those things did not create you. But for whatever reason, we decide... I'm going to go to that, and that's going to fix my issue. But it doesn't. It gives you a temporary happiness and never fixes anything. And then you keep walking in circles because you're never getting anywhere. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over. But if you go to God, the one who made you, he can fix you. It's as simple as that. He can give you the clear vision. And so that's kind of where I'm, talk I'm going today is clear vision, perspective, prescription. You know, getting exactly what you need. And that's the title for today's message is a custom prescription, because that's what we need in our lives. So, you know, a lot of times we're like, okay, control. I don't like to be controlled. I, I like to control things. I like to make sure I have a schedule. I like to make sure that I'm going to have gas in my car to get to my job, whatever it might be. I like to have things my way. I do not like to be controlled. But the reality is... We need to have somebody keeping us in check. We need to have somebody looking to us and be like, okay, like have the free will to make your own decisions. Yes, that's what God gave us. But have parameters. Have somebody who can control but not control your situation. Have a perspective of you don't got this all together. And we know we don't have this all together. I don't have this all together. Pastor Jacob does not have this all together. I love him, but he doesn't. None of us do. Let's be honest. And so when we give God control that's saying okay i'm giving i'm operating in self-control to not make my perspective more dominant than god's perspective i need to go to what he says even though i think my way is better and so we're going to turn to romans chapter 1 verses 21 through 24 if you have your bible with you or if you have your you version app on your phone and i'm reading out of the passion translation but you can read out of any other one so it says this, throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God, be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts and steeped in moral darkness. And although claiming to be super intelligent, they were in fact shallow fools. So for only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the things of a fading image of other humans, of idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. I'm going to stop right there for a second. So these people have the identity of God on them. And so what did they do with that identity? They misplaced it. They changed their perspective. They took their ways and were like, our way's better. God's way sucks. I'm not doing that. But because of this, they refuse to honor God for who he is, and they refuse to be thankful for his kindness, 
and they started talking about and entertaining the ideas of what he could be, what he is to us, rather than who he is, the God of the Bible, like Pastor Jake was saying about the series earlier today. And there's so many times where we do that in life, right? There's so many times where we have the identity of Christ on us. If you are a believer, like you are new, you are made in Christ, you know, you are a, a reflection of him. But if you don't ever look at yourself that way, you're going to change your perspective and entertain foolish ideas and think like you're not good enough. You know, you're going to look at yourself and not be the most confident person in the room. Like you're going to feel weak. And it's because you traded what God said about you for something that you think somebody is thinking about you, even though they never actually said it. You're just insecure and you're thinking that way. It's a perspective you have, but you never actually heard them say anything. And maybe you did hear them and then you got that and you took it and you believed it. But why are you going to believe the person who didn't make you? Believe the person who made you. Like, if, okay, so Haley, artist, right? Okay, so if you make a painting and you're super proud of it, you're like, hey, this is beautiful. This is awesome. Like, you made the painting, no one else did, and you have the right to call it whatever you want to call it. But if someone else, like if I come in there and I'm like, I don't like your painting, it's ugly. Like, it doesn't matter what I said because I didn't make it. You know, you went through the effort to make that. And you created it and you put your love and your passion into it. God put his love and his passion into us when he created us. And so the only thing that ever matters for uh, words that come into our life is the words of our creator. The words of the person who made and loved us with everything inside of him. So we're going to continue on to verse 24. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things that God made rather than the God who made all things. And glory and praises to God for eternity of eternities. Amen. So if you look at that verse, you know, a lot of times we like to think, man, like God threw all this bad stuff on me. Like he's the, he did it. How can he be a good God? And so our perspective changes. We're like, God's an evil God. He's not a good God. Like we think about like, why are all these things happening? He didn't cause any of that. All he did was let go, right? Like the evil was already there, but it said his restraining hand. So he was trying to protect you the whole time. He was holding it back to make sure it doesn't hurt you. But when he saw that you decided to choose those evil things instead of him, he's like, all right, well, because I'm a good God and because I love you, I'm going to let you make your own choices. I don't want to let go. I don't want to hurt you. But if that's what you want to choose, you can have it because he's not going to force you to love him or to pick him because he's a good father. He's a good God. And so as soon as he let his hand go, all that stuff you desire now came on you and now you're feeling this, you know, the hurt and the pain from it. And it's all because we wanted to do things our own way and have our own perspective. And so now when we go through life, it's not as clear a picture as we thought. And we're like, why are these things happening? I don't know what's next. I can't see the future. I'm in, I'm in a hole right now. Well, you chose the things that weren't God. You chose to go to somebody who didn't make you to let them guide your life instead of going to the person who made you, who has the instruction manual to your life. And these are the, this is what happens when we don't choose God. So look at the world right now. 
look at the country right now, right? We're divided by racism. We're divided by politics. We're divided by denomination. We're divided by so many things. If your opinion is not my opinion, you're wrong and you are evil. And it's like, that's, that's not how that goes. Like, you can have a different opinion than somebody else and still love them. You can still choose to be who Jesus made you to be to that person, right? And that's how Jesus was. Like, he didn't come in here. Like, if you read the Gospels, he never came in and started telling people, you're wrong for believing this. You're wrong for doing this. He still loved them regardless. And yeah, he let them know what's up. Like, hey, like, if you want to have a better life, you got to follow me. But he was never condemning about it. You know, he didn't condone, but he didn't condemn. He always came with grace with his truth. And so that's how we need to approach the world. Realize that people are choosing to do their own way. And look, that's fine. I can't really rock with you. Like, I can't live and do those things that you do. But I'm still choosing to love you and do life with you. Um, and be praying for you in the in the process of it because I know you're lost and I know that you need somebody who can guide you closer to Jesus. So um, if you look back to that verse, it, it literally said, why is all this evil happening? Because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They traded what they thought God should be and they got rid of what God actually was. So verse 28, and this is the last verse of this scripture, um, it says this, And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. So when you think it's worthless to like live a life for God, when you think it doesn't matter, it's not going to cost you anything, like you, mat- when you look at it and you're like, this is, this is dumb. Like Coming to church is dumb. Lifting my hands in worship is dumb. Like, you are now trying to customize your own walk about what God is and what he isn't. You're making it out for yourself, you know. And because you've chose to look at church and look at Christianity as something worthless and something not to pursue, God's like, all right, if that's the way you want to do it, I will give you over to the worthless things. And now you're even more lost. Now you're even deeper into your hurt. Now you're even deeper into your pain because you chose to go for the worthless things. You just you determined for yourself that God's worthless, that he doesn't mean all that to you. Like, you decided, I'm not going to read my Bible when I'm going home. I'm not going to sing to worship when I'm in the car with my friends. Like, you chose that because you don't think God's worth that to you. You are customizing Christ to be something he's not. So, we love to think that the best perspective is our own. That's what I'm coming to the conclusion of. We think our best perspective is our own. We think we're entitled to everything. But the best perspective is found in God's prescription. That is where you will have clear vision for everything. And that's point number one, is that the best perspective is found in God's prescription. So um, if you turn to Romans 12, verse 2, it says this. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. That is a word for today. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit throughout a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So we have to transform our minds. We can't stay where we're at. Like, with this whole virus thing and everything shutting down, like, every, the whole world's flipped. 
And so if you think you're just going to walk out of that the same way you walked into it, nothing's going to get better for you. But if you choose in this moment to say, no, okay, yeah, this is a weird season, but I'm going to do my best to follow Christ and to go as he says and not to customize my walk with him, then you will walk out of this stronger than you came in. You will walk out ready to conquer something and to confidently go into a room and be ready to face whatever challenges come your way without having to be nervous about it. You know, but if we learn to lean into the Holy Spirit's discernment, if we learn to just look at what God sees as perfect for us instead of we think what's perfect for us, then we can freely and confidently make the decision to live in him and to live a blessed life with even more clarity than we had before. So who do you go to when things are getting rough? Are you going to your boyfriend? Are you going to your girlfriend? You know, like I said earlier, are you going to Pastor Jacob? Are you going to parents? Like, who are you going to when things get messed up, when things are not going right? Are you going to God or are you not? Like, do you choose to set your perspective on God and look upward rather than looking all around? You know, look at a sunflower. So sunflowers, if they look anywhere that's not the sun, they die. They just drop dead and there's no more sunflower. And so no matter where the sun moves, the sunflower follows. But the sunflower is always looking up. It's never looking at what's in front, what's behind, what's around, what's beneath. And so that's how we should go into life. Always looking at Christ and what he says. And wherever he goes, I go. Because if I start looking at all the mess in the world right in front of me and I start panicking, like, I'm going to go in circles with my entire life, right? I'm going to just keep spinning and spinning, and I'm going to feel dizzy. I'm not, I'm not going to know what's going on because I chose to look at everything around me rather than staying focused to God. And if I keep my head down, well, then I just, I just look sad. I'm walking, I'm walking through life like this. And if I'm walking with my head down, I can't see where I'm going. And so... If you don't know where you're going in life, you're probably looking with your head down. Or you've probably been spinning this whole time because you've been looking everywhere for solutions except Jesus. So look to Jesus when things are getting rough. Don't look to anybody else. Because the thing is, people can, if we are so worried about what people think about us and how we should dress, how we should act, if we're so worried about that, then when I go to somebody who's not Jesus, and they give me an answer, it doesn't matter if that answer is messed up or not, I'm just going to take it for them because I cannot live without their approval. And so because of that, they're giving me bad advice, but I just accept it as my truth, and then I try it out, and it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, what the heck? He said this is how it's going to go, so why is it not doing that? Why is it getting worse? Because you're going to the person who's not God, the person who did not make you, the person who does not know how to operate your car or your whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, like if my car is a Chevy, I'm not going to Mercedes to figure out how to work my Chevy. Like I'm going to Chevy and I, cause they have the manual. I'm going to God. He has my manual called the Bible. The Bible is what I need to know how to operate myself. So if I'm going to other places, nothing's going to make sense. It's circles and circles and circles. So if you're dizzy, if you're going in circles right now, Check and see who you're going to. Who is the person I rely on for my answers? So, 
here's where our perspective gets even more lopsided. We see God as a sit-on-the-shelf God. And what do I mean by that? It means when something goes wrong in my life, I'm going to go to my shelf, grab God off the shelf. Hey, go fix this. Okay, cool, you did. Back on the shelf. And I don't ever go to him again until something is wrong again. And then I grab him off the shelf, go do your thing. And then you're done. And I put him back. And it's like, okay, do you ever treat anybody like that in your life? You know, I'm not going to go to my girlfriend only when I want something nice. Right? I'm going to do life continually with them. And I'm going to go through every single step of life because that's commitment, right? If you're not committed, you're not going to go through everything. You're just going to, you know, do your little highlights of life, do all the fun stuff. But when it's bad, I'm just going to ditch you. And then when things get good again, I'll come get you and I'll bring you back. You know, and God's not that way. He wants to be in every single part of your life. He's a give me your life God. He wants submission. He wants to have that commitment. That's that's the part of a good father. A good father wants to be part of every single part of your life. He doesn't want to just be here when you need him. He's like God is not a God of convenience. He's a God of commitment. You know, that's point number two, actually, is that God is a God of commitment and not convenience. You know, we hate talking about commitment. We're not ready to talk about commitment, right? There's so many guys that I see all the time that they have a girlfriend, right? But they're DMing like three other girls at the same time. And then they're with some other girl the day before because they're not committed. They just want what that girl can offer them. And that's not just guys. That's girls too. But I'm giving that example is that people are not willing to be down for commitment because that takes work. And I don't like work. I like breaks. But commitment doesn't have breaks. Like if you're willing to take a break in your relationship, you're probably not committed. Because you're just only, like I said earlier, you're only sticking around when it's good and when things get bad. Let me take a break real quick and then I'll come back to you. You're not committed. Because if you're committed, you'll stick through it the whole entire time. And God's like, hey, I'm ready to be committed to you. Like I love you. I want to stick with you through every single part. Don't just put me on the shelf. I want to make sure that I'm here with you in every single step. Will you let me? And the, the great thing about God is that he never forces anything on you. He gives you the free will to make that decision if you want to stick with him or not. But even if you don't stick with him, he'll always still be around for when you're ready to come back to him. That's how committed he is, that he will stick around even when you're not around. So he even says that in the Bible, um, and it's talk, this is talking about money more specifically, but it does touch on this. Um, and I can't remember the verse off the top of my head. You probably remember it though, but it's where he says, uh, you know, one, a servant cannot serve two different masters. He must love one and hate the other. Right. It's the same thing with a relationship. Like I cannot, you know, love one girl and love the other. Like I must stick to that person and like push away the other. There is no like gray area. And that's how it is with God. Like You cannot do what you want to do and then do what God says to do and expect life to be okay. It's one or the other. If I go my way, I'm falling off a cliff. If I go God's way, I'm sticking on the platform. I'm doing fine. So 
go to God. Know that the perspective of God is he wants to be with you in every situation. He doesn't want to be just a convenient person to go to when things get rough. He wants to be there every high and every low. He is a servant. And he demonstrated that through his son, Jesus, right? Jesus came down to the earth as a human being. He didn't come down as fully God. He came down as fully God and fully man because he wanted to relate. He wanted to be on our level. He wanted to have that empathy, have that commitment to you guys. You know, and he, <laughs> he, he's the one who challenged everyone's perspective on what they thought he was going to be, right? He was the prophesied King Messiah. So everyone thought, okay, Jesus is going to come in on this big old horse. He's going to slay all the kingdoms, and we're going to have peace, right? They had a perceived idea, a custom Christ, of who they thought he was going to be. And what did he do? He didn't go for a horse. He showed up on a donkey. You know what donkeys do? They carry burdens. You know what horses do? They carry beauty. And so Jesus was literally representing himself in the form of a donkey as he showed up. His first time showing up in the town, he's like, look, I'm riding a donkey because I choose to be the person who's going to carry you in life. I choose to be the person who's going to serve you and carry your burdens throughout life. And everyone's like, he's the king messiah. Why is he on a donkey? Like, get this man a horse. <laughs> and he's just like, no, donkey. And I'm like, okay. And so that shook their whole perspective of who they thought he was going to be. And then he didn't even stop there. He washed his feet of his disciples. I hate feet. They're disgusting. <laughs> like, if I was Jesus, I would choose to, like, shampoo somebody's hair, you know, or, like, wash their shoulders. But I'm not doing all that. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to do that because that's the worst part. And I want to be there to serve you in the worst times of your life. And you're like, okay, so what are the significance of feet? Why did he wash the feet? Because feet show you where you've been, where you just came from, like where you're going, right? They tell a story. They show the dirt that that is in your life. Like, a lot of times we have dirt that we don't like to show people. And, you know, and if I'm just walking, you're not going to see all the dirt on the bottom of my shoes, like under here, unless I physically show you. And there's parts of your life that people are not going to know exist unless you show them. But Jesus went in and he got down on his knees and he cleaned every single part because he wanted to let you know, I know about the parts you're not showing people and I want to wash them clean. I want to make you new. I know you have a past and I know you've walked through some stuff. But look, I'm I'm clean, I'm cleansing you of that. You are free now, and I'm now going to walk with you. And so he was the demonstration of a servant. He was a king who served a peasant, even though our culture says a peasant should serve a king. And so God, right, the God of the universe, the God who made you, he got off his throne, he got uncomfortable, right, and he humbled himself to serve and to save the lost. He was doing things differently than what we thought he was going to be doing. Our father stopped what he was doing just to be with us, just to be with you, just to be with you. He did everything that he could just to be your good father, just to serve us. What kind of king does that? 
Like, my perspective of a king is that they're mean, and they have a lot of rules, and they really don't care who I am. But God doesn't have a lot of rules, and he cares who I am. He came off his, out of his kingdom just to, come, just to come sit with me, do life with me. You know? Like, that's a good father. That's who God is. This is who Christ is. So if you could just fix your situation, man, life would be so much better. But God said, no, I don't want to fix your situation. I want to fix you. Because if I can fix you, you can get through that situation. And a lot of times we need to go through situations in order to learn something. But he obviously doesn't want you to go through that situation as a mess. He wants to make sure you go through it as confidently as you possibly can. And so he will do whatever it takes to get you there, right? He wants to add value to your life. If I go through life and I have more lessons in my life, I have more wisdom. And so what good is my life if I don't go through that? What good is my life if I don't go through it the way God intended for me, right? So sports. I don't know how many athletes are in here. I'm, I used to be an athlete. I don't look like one anymore, but <laughs> you have a trophy that you're trying to get. And as much as your coach could literally just go buy, buy a trophy out of the store and hand it to you, that would be worth nothing, right? You had to go through the season. You had to go through the training and the discipline to get, not to just to get the trophy, but to add value to that trophy. Because if I just hand you a trophy and you didn't do anything for it, then, I mean, it's nothing, right? I have to go through something to make it valuable. I have to go through something to make my life valuable, to make my life worth it. So at the end of the day, when I go to heaven, God can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want God to say that about me because there's some stuff that I've been through. I've messed up a lot, but I want God to at least, at the very end of the day, just be proud of me and tell me I did a good job for the little time that I was here, even though I tried to customize him a few times. I want to know that he's still proud of me. He still loves me. So let's be real for a second. You know, if we take a situation in life and we start to get nervous, why? It's because we don't see ourselves the way he sees us. I'm, I'm not walking into that confidence. I don't know that God's proud of me, right? And because I don't know what God thinks about me, I'm not very confident when I walk into things. But he wants to make sure you are. So if you don't have the confidence in yourself and your circumstances, it's because your mindset is so focused on what everyone else thinks about you rather than what God thinks about you. So as much as we need to focus on God for who he is, we also need to focus on what he thinks of us. Like it's a two-way thing because I can understand God for who he is, but if I'm not understanding myself, how am I supposed to even trust him to help me out to do things in life. I have to understand my identity. So um, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, here's what it says. Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you into every decision that you make. So trust God. He is your manual. He is the person who's going to help you. He's not here to set rules in your life. He is here to help you. We need to understand he wants to help us. And if you go to James uh, 1 verse 25, it says that we're going to be strengthened and blessed. It says, 
But those who set their gaze deeply into perfecting the law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. So if I trust God, I'm going to be strengthened. I'm going to be blessed in everything I want to do. So if I want that confidence, trust him. If I want to get through something in life, trust him. If I want to get stronger, if I want to experience his blessing, trust him. So, guys, I'm looking for confidence. Pastor Jacob is looking for confidence in this youth group. He's looking for people who are willing to be who they are in Christ, willing to trust God and to do the things that are hard and stick through it and be committed in every season of life so that we can see you blessed, so we can see you be strengthened and grow. Um, we want to see people who are bold, right? Well, when schools kick back, if they ever do, in person, like we want to see students that are on fire for God, students who are ready to go into a hallway and just pray for somebody because they know they're going through something. And if they don't know, still pray for them, you know, because you never know what someone's going through, right? I mean, look at a firefighter. Like they see a burning house. They don't know if anybody's in there. But they still put themselves out there. They run into the flames, and then they check and see, okay, is there anybody around? No? Okay. And they keep going. They keep searching every single room until they get somebody. And if they don't get anybody, okay, that's fine. They just douse the house with water. And so that's how we need to approach life. We need to change our perspective on the world, realize that it's a broken, hurting, and dying world. Realize people are suffering and not just sit there and be like, huh, I wonder if anybody's in that fire. Hmm. No, we got to go in, run, you know, look for somebody who's hurting. Look for people, even if they're not hurting and just be like, can I pray for you? Can I serve you? Like Jesus made the example for us to follow, the manual for us to do and change their whole perspective on Christians, on Jesus, you know. Like, so many people think that, like, Christians are mean and they're hypocritical. And, yes, that's true. And it hurts that that's true. But there are good ones out there. But the reality is we don't need to put the image of Christians on Jesus. We need to put the image of Jesus on Christians. Because while, yes, Christians were messed up, we deal, we deal with things, Jesus is not so. Jesus is the one we need to look to. And so we need to help people understand that Jesus is the one who loves us. Jesus is the one who can truly help us. I can be the most Christian person in the room and I can't fully help you, but Jesus can. So we need to look to Jesus for all our solutions. We need to see the fire around us and not wait on a solution, not wait for things to get better. No firefighter stands at a fire and waits for the fire to go out or waits for somebody to rescue themselves. They understand that, look, I might have to die in this. I might have to get hurt in this. But as long as that person is safe, I've done my part. And so I have to put myself out there and realize, okay, Jacob, you might be hurting. Treve, you might be hurting. Haley, you might be hurting. And I might get hurt in the process trying to help you. But if I can help you get that healing, if I can point you to Jesus, I've done my part and you've gotten more help from Jesus than you have from me. But it wouldn't have been if I didn't take that first initial step that first sacrifice, that commitment part on me to reach out. 
So this is my third and final point, is that we have one task. Love people. We're not here to make a difference. Like, we're not here to make a point. You know, we're not here to convince you of anything. We're just here to make a difference. If I walk through my whole life trying to make a point and try to tell you why I'm right and you're wrong, I'm not going to get anywhere and you're going to hate me even more. But if I try to make a difference, if I try to love you and try to treat you the way you're supposed to be treated and help you um, look to Jesus, I've done what I'm supposed to. So love people. It doesn't matter if some girl comes walking in here in fishnets. It doesn't matter if a guy comes in here walking in fishnets. Like, we have to love every single person that walks through that door and every person that we encounter outside these walls. We have to love the white people, the black people, the Mexicans, the Italians, the Chinese. You got to love everybody. (laughs) I don't care how much they aggravate you. Love them. Pray for them. Understand that this life is temporary, so you temporarily deal with their crap. Eventually, you're going to be in heaven where everything's going to be great. But for now, your duty is to love people through their crap. Love people through their mess. And understand that this is temporary. It doesn't last forever. It feels like forever. Coronavirus feels like forever. And every time we feel like we've made progress, back to the last phase. Put a mask on. But it doesn't last forever. Your situations and drama do not last forever. My time with my dad, who left me when I was very young, and um, I kind of dealt with some physical abuse from him. That did not last forever. And I still have a relationship with my father, God, which will last forever. So even though there are temporary things that really, 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 really suck, you have eternity with Jesus where it's going to be incredible and amazing. So if you can just get past this little part, you'll be perfectly fine. Go back to what I said at the very beginning of this message. Your issues and Disclaimer, I'm not saying your issues are not anything. (laughs) Like, we deal with very real issues that really suck. And so this is not to say that what you're going through doesn't matter. What I am saying is, in the scheme of eternity, in the scheme of the universe, (laughs) your issues are like this. Compared to what Jesus can do in your life, Jesus is beyond that. He is bigger than that. He can get you past that. If he was able to just make you in six, seven days, if he was able to knit you in your mother's womb for like nine months, who's to say who's to say anyway, who's to say that he can't do the miraculous in your life? Who's to say that he cannot work through the issue with you? Right? So, Love people. People are hurting. People are dying. They do not have time for you to judge them. I do not have time to judge people. All I have time for is to love them and hope they see Jesus. And if they don't see Jesus right now, in this little tiny pocket that we have called life, 
We're not going to see Jesus in eternity. We'll be spending eternity in hell. And like, that sucks to say. Thank you, buddy. That sucks to say, but that's the reality. If I don't love somebody right now and help them see Jesus right now, they're not going to see Jesus for the rest of eternity. They're going to see themselves and everybody they didn't like suffering with them. So you only have this little time. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to change your perspective and take life on as a challenge rather than something that you just mopelessly walk through, like I said? Are you just doing this? Are you going to keep your eyes focused on God this entire time and trust him? Or are you just going to mope around? You have a mission. Love people. But make sure you have the right perspective. Because if your Christianity does not have the right perspective, you're wasting your time and you're wasting everybody else's time. So guys, I challenge you. Push forward through all the mess. Realize God is a good God, but he wants to help you. He knows you're hurting. He knows you're confused about life. But he wants to help you and guide you and help you help other people. So know that God is a good God. Y'all can bow your heads with me. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time with uh, Fusion. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak to them, but also for being able to use me um, to have your words into their hearts. And Lord, I pray that they take and receive everything that you've given them today. But God, most importantly, I pray that they change their perspective of who you are and they change their perspective of how they should do life. And they recognize people are hurting and they need you, Jesus. So God, put something in their heart to help them empathize with people, to help them love people, to help them understand. Not to just speak and speak and speak and speak into their life, but to sit and to listen, to hear them out. To not be preaching down their throat, but just to sit and listen with people. This is what we need right now, Lord. We need a loving church. So Lord, instill your grace into them, instill your truth into them. We thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.